0: Welcome to the Ends Real Paradigm Shifters Podcast. This show is for and about the entrepreneurs who work to improve our human well-being by bringing new ideas to life. The show is hosted by Marie Dahlgren. In this episode, Marie talks to Sarah Hart. Sarah trained and practiced as a chiropractor, but turned into being a holistic coach, helping wellness leaders around the world on their journey to authenticity to become more present, tuned in, and courageous, both personally and professionally. And now, here is Marie's interview with Sarah Hart. And uh, today, I would like to talk about um, authenticity. And uh, first of all, because I'm coach, Myself, and uh, I'm interested in this topic, and I think it's like a cornerstone of uh, uh, happiness, of fulfillment. And uh, on the other hand, recently, I don't know why, I ran into a couple of people. They were men, and one of them said that authenticity and all this healing stuff is just a woo-woo, and nobody needs it because all matters is just making money and selling. Um, uh, after that, I ran to a person uh, and I don't say, I can't say we had a fight, but it's something which struck me because I was talking about leadership with the heart, again, uh, versus uh, alpha leadership. And the person says, said to me, you're mixing two separate things. Leadership can be with the heart. Leadership is leadership because it's heartless. So, hmm. uh-huh, yes, there are people Strange. like that still. <laughs> so, uh, and I thought it would be interesting for people to understand in depth what authenticity is and how crucial and important to find yourself, your authenticity, because I think they, we all strive for that. And unfortunately, nobody teaches us how to to, uh, find this in ourselves. So Mm. that's why I reached out for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. There's so many things about what you've just said that I feel we could go into. Um, But the part that's really struck me is the concept that authenticity or leadership, sorry, cannot be led from the heart. And in fact, it should be heartless. Mm. Um, And I actually think it's a real inversion of leadership. And in a lot of ways, we are seeing the manifestation right now of that idea in in what we're experiencing at the moment. Um, And I feel that's a real disconnection from our individual and collective authenticity, which as humans is based on spiritual principles, really love, kindness, compassion, empathy, uh, which is heart led. And actually people respond really well to that. Whereas the concept of leadership being heartless for me is attached to the idea of power over control, um, dictatorship, authoritarian views, and a following, which is not really... I don't see that as leadership. That's just for me as control and um, a removal of, of our own uh, autonomy and our inner personal power. It's a very disempowering way yes. to lead, I would say. Yes. And then it's actually against the authentic aspect of our humanity, which is the want, and the want to, to move towards wholeness, the want to feel that we are being led from an innate level, from inside out. Mm-hmm. um instead of surrendering our will to other people. So I think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. And I like I said I was struck with this point of view. And for person, mm-hmm. for this person it's a reality. So, yeah, like, absolutely. Like for me and for you, the the real is that we are spiritual beings and Yes, I have uh, economic education and finance and credit. I understand all this and I'm leading the way, the same as you, business. But I I want and I think I, I am connected to my heart and I'm trying to be as authentic as I only can because, like I said, that's the path. But there are different that kind of people. And uh, I would like to ask you, how do you think why it's so important in everyday life, to build this authenticity, to be authentic to yourself?
1: I believe, I mean, it depends how we define authenticity, which again, for me, is a, it's a living, moving, breathing idea of a definition. It's something that always I'm unfolding. But I think it's more in alignment with our true essence. So anything in alignment with our true essence. And it's not this um, illusion idea, I think, that we are meant to be somehow always so perfectly open and vulnerable because as humans we are wounded as well we have conditioning of layers Mm -hmm. we've taken on we have our own personal wounding and we don't necessarily act from this real place of uh, our essence and authenticity but it's about the learning it's about the journey i think Mm -hmm. um and when we do and we are in alignment whatever our truth is and our core values, which when they are connected to again, love, kindness, compassion, empathy, um, I think that we, we experience the sorts of feelings, emotions um, that we are all striving for, which I think is peace, love, fulfillment, connection, those sorts of experiences. Mm. Um, so I think that, and when we are not, our soul suffers, That's my belief is when we are out of alignment with our own individual authenticity, as well as what a collective human experience of authenticity is, our soul suffers. And I think we experience physical symptoms, maybe in illness, we can uh, suffer emotionally, we can, our relationships start to break down we can live in a place of reactivity where there's resistance it's sort of the opposite of flow it's like being in resistance to life or we spiritually suffer and so I think all of these symptoms that we experience or challenges in our life it's part of the human experience but also guiding us back towards authenticity if we use those experiences as material to look within and see what it's trying to teach us and bring us back to you know.
0: Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. You very well said, and um, I also want want to 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 bring to the light, so to speak, that uh, a lot of times people think that they have to do something or to be something outside, like in their work, in their relationships, to deserve to tap into this flow, to to the to be connected to their authenticity. But I believe that something we already have in ourselves, and uh, there are true ways and techniques, proven techniques, scientifically proven techniques, which lead people to themselves, like you said, back to themselves. And I would like to ask you also, you mentioned a journey to authenticity. So, Mm. Actually, I have two questions. One is, why is that you're looking at this as at the journey? And uh, the other question is, could you please share maybe your journey? How did you come to this realization?
1: Sure. I mean, the concept of journey, I just felt was more accurate because I don't believe it's sort of a destination we reach. And then it's like, oh, we're here. Right. I'm, I'm fully <laughs> authentic now. And I'm living this yeah. authenticity and truth um, because, that, again, takes away from what it means to be human. It's an evolution. If we were completely connected in a sense to our the purest essence of who, who we are, we probably we wouldn't be in physical form anymore. That's my, that's my belief. So it's, we would have transitioned. So it's just our, you know, our, well, I suppose, soul contract that we take on when we come to this life of what our evolution and growth is. So I do think it's a journey, and it's always evolving, and it takes new form. Um and like you said it's very much an inside out movement it's it's breaking away from the old indoctrinated model which is everything is from the outside in and we have to seek outside ourselves for happiness and fulfillment mm. our whole our whole world and economy and everything is set up that way for this this, this outside gratification and instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Like when I reach this level, I will feel X. When I buy this, I will feel X. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we're left with, um, a sort of emptiness feeling. I can bring that back to myself and my own journey. You asked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I really bought into that model my, my whole life, really. I felt I did everything I thought I should but should based on what i was taught and told you know i mm-hmm. i i did well in school uh, i got the degree i became a doctor of chiropractic i then go out and i um, set up a business in the end or buy a business i grow a business mm-hmm. i accumulate financial wealth i buy a house i buy a car i get into a stable relationship thinking about marriage and all the things that our culture and society tell us are going to make us happy and feel yeah. fulfilled and so it's sort of like I got into this addiction state of more yeah. like when I you know I want more and more and every time I reach a level when I said you know when I get this I will feel x it, the bar moved yeah. it's just it was yeah it's it's sort of um never ending cycle so it hit a point when I had created everything I thought I wanted and I, and I'm sort of waking up going, is this everything that life is about? Is this what it's supposed to be? You know, Mm -hmm. surely it's got to be something more than this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's sort of the sense of emptiness and a lack of fulfillment set in. And it's a really yucky feeling if anybody has experienced that. Mm -hmm. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, was this even the life I chose? Was this what I wanted? Or did someone tell me this is the way that I Mm -hmm. should live? Uh, and so then I flipped it on its head and I decided, okay, maybe instead of more wealth or, you know, more things, maybe I need more time. I need more space. I need more freedom. And at that time, those things equated for me selling my business, moving out of London because I'm from, from the UK. That's where my business was at the peak of, its, of of where it was at and everybody telling me I'm crazy to do that sell my business, sell the house, get rid of the sports car, move to the countryside. This is what I need. It's a new utopia. And um, and actually this, that emptiness and lack of fulfillment just got louder. Now I had no real sense of purpose to wake up. and uh, And the problem was I took me with me. <laughs> because the source is from ourself right so it forced me it got me to a point where now okay I don't have any of these things around me and I'm feeling this sense of emptiness and lack of fulfillment and I'm still reactive in my relationship I'm still suffering with some health challenges that were were getting in my way with my gut for example and now I'm forced to look okay the common denominator here is me yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, there's nowhere else to look and that was really the beginning of my inward journey instead of it being more of an external journey that's where I started to look within and I would say the journey of to authenticity was birthed oops excuse me yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's interesting uh, thank you for sharing this and I would like to ask you your opinion on, on that a lot of times in our cultures pretty much all over the the earth everywhere especially in corporate business or entrepreneurship uh we were taught to suppress pretty much our feelings it's like nowadays i see everywhere as if i don't know if you're not warrior or dragon or bulldog of some sort you're pretty much relegated of a a second source human so you Mm. have to be super tough you have to push through, you have to suppress your feelings. I believe it creates a lot of negative stuff, not only emotionally, but health issues and self sabotage in entrepreneurship, for instance, because it's sort of my topic. Um, so I just would like you to talk a little bit about that. What is your opinion about this? And
1: mm. What should we? Yeah, say? I think. That- what should we do? Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a really good topic. It's just another form, I think, of polarization. You spoke earlier, and you mentioned that this person said to you about, oh, this authenticity stuff is nonsense. And it's all, you know, shiny, fancy. And we can have the one side polar thinking that a journey to authenticity, or a, in a sense, a spiritual journey has to be that we go and live as a hippie in the middle of the desert and we just meditate all the time and we don't make any money and we live selflessly, which is an illusion because that doesn't exist. And all that does is suppress the shadow, the part of us that wants something different and wants to be connected to the world as a whole. Yeah. Or the other polarization is almost this hustle mindset, which again, there's there's, positive, there's benefits and drawbacks to both ends. It's not that they're either a wrong, what I feel is that they are missing; they they're not integrated in the whole, because the hustle's mindset of go 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 go, again is very much disconnected with our true nature, which is very much a reflection of nature in the sense that there's a level of flow, there's a rhythm, things go in cycles. In the same way as the seasons happen, you have time where you wanna plant seeds, which is maybe doing the background grind to prepare your business. We could relate it to entrepreneurship. You do the things to plant seeds that enable growth for the future. Then we nurture that, you water it, sunshine, et cetera. And then there's gonna be a time where it blossoms and you get the fruits. Then there's times where things maybe you wanna reflect and go, this doesn't really work. And there's a shedding like autumn, (laughs) things fall back down. And now we're re-fertilizing and creating a new foundation in which to build something new. And you go through a drier patch, a more introverted time of self-reflection like winter. And then there's a new cycle. So I like to work, think about when I think about business, I found for myself when I work closely more closely related to the cycles of nature I feel more in flow I don't know whether that's also sometimes a little bit more of the feminine way of things because the hustle mindset I think was very much birthed from the masculine and again there's nothing wrong with that because the masculine doing which is sort of the doing energy is part of us all but so is the feminine in men too which is creativity, expansion, vision, nurturing, taking time for stillness and being. And I think either way, whichever pole we go, it's a disconnection from our wholeness. And again, we suffer. We might get exhausted, burnt out, overwhelmed. It's feeding the ego. where We constantly are comparing ourselves to others and we can't live up to this idea of what it's all supposed to look like in entrepreneurship. So... um, Yeah, I think it's just to listen to the self because some people thrive off that. And that's great if you you thrive off it. But if you're feeling a sense of I'm not sure this is who I am or I'm feeling guilty because I'm not this way or then listen to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you very much. You know what? To start this journey to authenticity, I think you have to have a certain level of awareness already. And not all the people are there yet. But nevertheless, most of the people would want to be in the state of flow and be connected to their core and be, not maybe necessarily authentic, but state of flow is a very um, desired state of being. So my question Mm -hmm. is, how do you think, what would be the first steps which a regular average person can take so to, to start at least this journey to him or herself?
1: You know, it's funny because the reality is a lot of the time we don't start this journey until something falls apart. (laughs) It's like everybody has some sort of wake up call, because if you're living that lifestyle of real hustle and you are really connected to that and you, you love it and you're getting thrills out of it and you don't see that there is any issue with that or there's no suffering why would somebody change it but if you're hearing this and you kind of go yeah I don't think that is me actually that isn't really what I want then that awareness as you said is the first step yeah. okay how can I maybe do things differently and a lot of the time it's just is coming back to self in the most simple day-to-day practices that we can do to begin a sense of connecting to ourself because the idea of listening to our intuition and maybe meditating for 45 minutes or something a day for some people they hear that and they go I don't have I don't have time for that like, like we can't we, there's no way yeah. or they don't really understand any idea of what intuition is there's such disconnection So it's small things to connect back to the self. And I find that the best is uh, the breath. For me, that was my entry point. Mm -hmm. I started a breathwork journey. Yeah, because it's this beautiful crossover between the conscious world and the unconscious world. And what I mean by that is that we can choose to breathe consciously. I can take a breath in. But whether I think about it or not consciously, I'm still being breathed, right? Mm-hmm. My body is breathing. And so it's the bridge between the two worlds. And, and I found that that access, and it can be some really simple practices like Wim Hof method of breath work. You can go on YouTube, you can watch a video. Mm-hmm. You can do one cycle of that breath work a day, which is four minutes. And it's an amazing entry to starting to connect to yourself, come back to your body. Your body mm-hmm. is what holds the wisdom of everything. And if it's speaking to you going, I'm stressed, I'm burnt out. I live in this state of anxiety a lot. I've got tension throughout my body. I'm ratty with my partner or I'm shouting at my kids and I don't like the feeling. And I've got all this workload piling and I can't keep on top of it. It's a sign your nervous system is in total overload and going into shutdown. Mm -hmm. So the first entry is What's a really small, simple practice I could do every day that helps to calm my nervous system and just connect to my body? I'd say is the entry.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. I think it will be helpful for our listeners and for myself too.
1: Um,
0: I would also want to address, you mentioned that this um, uh, alpha leadership came from, um, from the side of the man, being masculine, masculine yes, in, in itself but I would like also to say like you said that uh, we have both parts masculine and feminine in ourselves and this polarization actually harms both genders I and mean, men yeah. and women because time and time again I see women who for whatever reason they decided that they have to be uh, almost masculine almost masculine and uh, to achieve like you said, instant gratification. On the other hand, recently I had a coaching session with a very uh, strong leader, and he is a man. And uh, I was—I understand I coach and I have sort of to have this distance to be able dissociation to be able to help a person. But at that moment, I was absolutely connected to what he felt. And he was very upset, and actually he was crying because he said, I'm so sad about what is going on now in the world and about this way of leadership without heart, which brought us what it brought. And uh, I just want to stress this out so our listeners will not feel like we're discriminating any gender because it, it goes beyond gender. And I would like to stress that it's really a cornerstone, not the issue, the question or mode of being, being authentic, because it relates to all the spheres of our life, not only entrepreneurship,
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I sort of choose my word quite particularly when I say it's birthed out of the masculine, that doesn't mean that it's birthed out of men, because we all women have masculine in them too. It's, it's a polarization towards the masculine energy within men and women. And exactly, you're right. Both men and women have suffered from this, the way that the world has been set up, um, Because, you know, men are very much, I would say, programmed from a very young age to believe that to express how you feel is weakness. And that creates the birth of toxic masculinity, in a sense, Mm. where they're totally disconnected from a... A, a willingness or just an ability to be vulnerable and feel safe with that so therefore we build masks again this is the disconnection again from authenticity we start to learn to wear mask and persona and you learn to live in the world well if i'm tough and i get i i, I was about to swear sorry if i get stuff done <laughs> if i get stuff done then you know i can do good and i need to be the warrior in brackets i would say mm-hmm. i would define warrior as something very different but um you know, the provider for my family. And I can't show any weakness. I have to hold it all together. And that creates, again, it's a disconnection from self because then where's the place for the human experience of suffering emotions in all the spectrum? So that's that side. And then from the feminine side as well, I think that um, as as women, we'd learn from a very young age to be the good, sweet little girl, Mm. you know? So then expression of any emotions that are not in alignment with that, which may be anger, frustration, rage, uh, we suppress again into the shadow. And so there's very much this huge disconnection from these more dynamic type energies and there's no place. And so then they end up trying to express themselves in a toxic feminine, which we don't talk about. We talk about toxic masculinity a lot, but toxic feminine, yeah, a lot, but toxic feminine as well and some women don't like to hear this, but I think it's important for us to own it, is to go, how that expresses emotional manipulation, very much emotional manipulation, belittling, uh, jealousy, and then manifestations of these suppressions of emotion. And all of them have place. None of them are wrong. It's just that we make some of them wrong. Um, And so, so, yeah, I think that all of us in a sense have been victim to the model that we as people have built. Um, and I think this is the, the way to, in a sense, a new earth is to make it safe for expression for all emotion on on the, mm-hmm. exp- the spectrum and the integration within each of us of both the masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And in that integration is the whole exactly. Then we connect to the more divine masculine, divine feminine, which both have their place and, and the world would be very different. So, yeah, it's this is part of the journey, I suppose, for all of us.
0: Do you think it will become true at some point in our future?
1: (laughs) I think it's happening. I really believe it because you know what's lived in the shadow if you if everything fine everything that's been suppressed will find a way to express. Mm -hmm. The only way that we can change something is to bring the shadow to the light of awareness and right now we're in an extremely uncomfortable time I would say on the planet where it's shining a light on all the shadows, the hidden shadows that we've seen, power over, control, corruption, toxicity, you know, uh, this real deep lack of empathy, you know, all of those sorts of of things are now, we're having the light shined on it. uh, And it's giving us opportunity to transmute this material, to alchemize it and create something new. It's just extremely uncomfortable. I mean, that's the birth of something. It's like being in a birth canal. We're in the squeeze. (laughs) Yeah. makes
0: sense yeah you mentioned shadow a couple of times and i believe that shadow it's a distortion like you said of light Uh, if you would the divine light or divine awareness and uh, the source let's put it this way so i just would like to know your opinion on uh, the connection in between shadow and masks and such things as self-sabotage, procrastination, perfectionism, burnout and addictions. And I understand it's a lot, but maybe you can address these issues too.
1: Well in a way I think a lot of those things are expressions of the unexposed shadow. They're ways that we defend against looking at them, you know, because it's very uncomfortable. The shadow is anything that remains hidden that we don't really, they usually are associated with uncomfortable things. Not always because we can also suppress in our shadow, the ability, the the sort of strengths, qualities and abilities that we really want and we admire in others, but we don't own in ourselves. It's sort of the things that we deny, suppress, reject because we've learned to a lot of the time from a young age um we've learned to suppress these things for the sake of survival it's sort of like Gabor Mate talks about this really brilliantly is that our two fundamental needs as humans are authenticity so a sense of being who we truly are Mm -hmm. and attachment which is the connection to our caregiver from birth Mm -hmm. and because we need them for survival but if ever authenticity compromises attachment attachment will always win and so because we need it to survive. So a lot of the time, yeah. So we, so we learn what we need to do and who we need to be for the sake of survival. And we suppress who we are. And that's usually what's put into the shadow. And they can be good qualities or bad qualities, whatever you want to label them. I mean, I'd say they're all just qualities. Um, and they get put into the shadow. Um, and then, you know, because there is this rejection and denial and a disowning, we squash them this is where we break away from wholeness and we're no longer integrated we become fragmented
0: yeah.
1: and we will do anything to defend against looking at this stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable and this is where we a lot of the time we learn to wear the mask the personas to be who we needed to be in the world for to survive but also the time that there becomes a time where this is so much in disconnection and out of alignment with our authenticity that it's trying to surface. The uncomfortable feelings want to surface. And again, we're not taught how to sit with our feelings. So what do we do? Okay. I need to numb it. I need to suppress it. I need to avoid it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink this evening. I'm going to have a drink to drown that away. I'm going to numb myself out watching Netflix or scroll through social media. I'm going to go for the things that make me feel good. It could be sex. It could be drugs. It could be all these other things, again, to avoid looking at this Thing over here, the elephant in the room. And so, and we've all done this. I've definitely, I got very much into cycles of addictive patterns for many, many years. Um, A real unwillingness to sit with the things that I just didn't want to look at because they were icky with some of the woundings and so on and parts of myself I didn't like. So I'd say a huge part of the journey to authenticity, after learning to regulate the nervous system, is this process of this reclaiming of these fragmented parts, starting to look at it as sort of what shadow work is, in essence.
0: Okay. And could you please tell us um, maybe briefly a couple of um, practical steps again, how to start to work with your shadow? If people who are mm. listening to us would want to do this, like right away, where to start?
1: I mean, our triggers are the, the greatest window to this, things that really trigger us. Um, I would say they're windows to the wounds for us to be able to do some inner child work. But if we just go with the more simple things, if something really gets on your nerves with another person. Something really pisses you off. Right. And we all have that. And you find that no matter what, this this thing about this person really annoys me. You can just flip it on yourself. A lot of the time, this can be a projection. Mm-hmm. It can be something of disowned part of ourself we're projecting onto another and it's sh- showing something back as a mirror and just asking the question, where can I see this in myself? Which is a really hard question to sit with, Brilliant. but it's, yeah, but it's a, it's a really powerful question if you're willing to just sit with it. Where can I see see this in myself and look and wait and look, find an example specific examples so if I'm looking this person is so irritating me because they talk over somebody else (laughs) let's just say it's the first thing that came to my head Um, and that just really irritates me yeah exactly (laughs) I do it obviously um it's a projection yeah so like somebody this really this person talks over other people find it really annoying okay where can I see that in myself and think about times when we do that and in that, all that does, it's like taking a torch and just like shining it into the dark space and going, oh, I see you now. And that's, that's as much as it is. It's the awareness and willing to own it. Notice that your mind might go into a story to go, oh, but I did that because of blah, blah, blah. This is why I do it. And we create excuses around it. Yeah. But if we're willing to just go, yeah, I do that and stop there and own that. Yeah, I do that. Okay, I do that you can find that some of that charge of reactivity starts to die away. The more that we're willing to own, the more examples you find, the charge comes down. And ultimately we think that by, a lot of the time we think by doing that, it's like we are handing over power, making something else right or wrong or whatever it is. But actually we get a sense of peace within ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's true. Thank you very much. And it was very cool. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I would like also to ask you you know what uh, some people i'm coaching people as as you know and uh, sometimes people come for instance for a first session which is strategic clarity session and they have this attitude as if coaching is coaching or this shadow work or work towards your authenticity it's something optional it's something which they would want to have but it's not like something they have to do this not not a pressing issue in their in their point of view and I would like to uh, ask your opinion about that because in my opinion I think like I said this a cornerstone it's more than pressing issue because in my opinion if you are not working uh, towards it if you're not working with yourself if you're not finding the ways in fact how to reach how to tap back into your authenticity you got caught in a cycle of pain and guilt and shame and it with time it gets only worse. So what do you think about that? What would you mm. what would you say to the person who says, no, it's optional? I understand what you're saying here. It's all very beautiful and cool stuff, but I have uh, I have family to feed, for instance, or I'm working three jobs and uh, I'm tired every day.
1: No, no time, no way for me to
0: step into my authenticity.
1: Thank you. I'd be like, nice try. (laughs) Like like really, if we could all avoid it and get through life, I'd be like, great. If you've got the secret, tell me because I want to know. And I think that the answer is in that, you know, there's always something that leads people to coaching. And it's usually because there's some there's some level of suffering. There's something that they think is not so great. And they want to improve or grow, and so all of the answer is in that. It's in whatever, wherever the suffering is, and everything. I just think everything is a reflection of self. Business is reflection of self. It's just, it's literally a laboratory to see all the universal laws at play and to see the absolute projection of yourself, because it will bring up all of those things, like you just said, guilt and shame, and all of the things that we don't want to look at will manifest in our business, in the relationships in our finances, in every aspect uh, of the business, it's going to mirror it back to us. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I really would be like, nice try. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say to that because it is difficult because, you know, if you really think that everything is going great, then, one, then what's the work to be done? Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't think then, then that's cool. Don't, you don't need to go there. But I also think that if there is something that's being denied, it's gonna find a way to surface anyway. Yeah. You can't run from these things. Yeah. Uh, and I would just say they go hand in hand. And I found the more work that I've done uh, sort of inner in work, it helps me in, in my business. Uh, I, again, I feel a better sense of, of peace, of flow, there's not like so much of resistance or the the uphill aspect of it. Mm. Uh, it's just more balanced. I get a deeper sense of fulfillment. I experience more connection, presence, which I really enjoy. Whether it's with my clients or in any area. Don't get me wrong. I have all the days where I'm feeling frustrated or I can feel overwhelmed. Or, but as it's human, right? And it's also yeah. to look at it. You know, I also see it as a sign. Okay, where am I not? Where am I maybe not nurturing myself or what needs attention that is, or maybe there's something I'm taking on a task that's out of my alignment that maybe I could delegate to another person who's better suited based on their strengths. We're not all things for all people all the time. It's sort of, this is the beauty of working with others. I think, I think that's my missing link that I don't think I, in, in business side of things, the collaboration and team is something I think I could work on more i did more in the past and that's and that's realizing that any organization is just another system it's a reflection of the collective and the whole you know
0: that's true true. thank you very much and also uh you mentioned shame and guilt Mm. a couple of times i would like to know your opinion on how these forces or i don't know how to put them um how shame and guilt how they keep us pretty much caught in a vicious cycle of instant gratification and keep, they keep us, I believe, away again from our true nature, from our authenticity. So what's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's one, You know, uh, this is a hot one for me because I'd say like many of us, a deeper level of shame is something that I have had to work with and I still do. I think differentiating between guilt and shame probably is the first thing because I think guilt is actually a very healthy mechanism Uh, in our psyche uh, and body versus shame so the difference Brene Brown talks about this really well Mm -hmm. um, but it's like guilt is okay I didn't do this very well I I wasn't very good at this and that can be great if maybe it wasn't shame is I'm not good it's making meaning making something means something about the core of who we are Mm -hmm. Um, and that's disproportionate Mm -hmm. and then and then then you know, again, that's the, one of the most yucky feelings. We'll do anything to deflect away from feeling it. And this can feed into the manifestation of masking, personas, inauthenticity, addiction, and so on, and can keep us in a perpetual cycle of avoidance of that feeling. Whereas guilt is really healthy. Okay, I didn't do that so well. I own that, I take that, and that's real. How can I do this better? How can I do it better next time? Accepting the fact that I'm not perfect. And this is the feeds the perfectionism model. It's really just hiding a deep sense of shame. A lot of the time, if I am perfect, if I get this absolutely spot on, whatever that is, it's not real anyway. Um, If I get this perfect, then I never have to feel shame. Um, And so, yeah, it can keep us very much trapped and locked away. But guilt, is, I think, is a very healthy thing. It helps us to evolve.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Mm. sure this, your opinion on that. And um, um, I wanted to ask you about beliefs because a lot of times people, again, coming into my coaching and they already know, they have heard somewhere from somewhere with somebody uh, that they have to have a certain beliefs to, to succeed. And you also mentioned the new earth. So for the sake of creating this new earth, So preferably everybody would feel authentic and would find his or her place, authentic place in this life. How do you think, what kind of beliefs should we um, incorporate into our day-to-day life?
1: Mm. That's
0: a good question.
1: There's a lot wrapped up in that. I think it's just coming back to humanity. It's the belief that we aren't perfect is the first thing and that all emotions and feelings have their place that everybody is i mean this is just kind of i'm plucking this out i don't know i might reflect on it later and go no um but anyway um, um that yeah all emotions feelings have their place that everybody's individual experience is their reality and we can't make it wrong um the world is better if we seek to understand others instead of this idea of right i'm right you're wrong yeah um if we can you know build foundations on the belief that communication is the answer to everything and find ways that we can communicate with each other the belief that community spirit is the foundation of everything principles based on love, kindness, compassion, and empathy again. I mean, I come back to the same things, but instead of believing that one person or a small group of people can think for the whole, I think that to move away from that belief, Um, To always believe that these people that are, you know, highly incentivized by, let's say, financial gain somehow have our best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. Instead, coming to the principles that we as humans have our best interests of our community at heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, The belief that actually we're all looking for the same thing. We're looking for love and connection. Ultimately. and fulfillment ultimately we if we if we grind it all down that's what we're all looking for and I think if we could all really connect to that and it's hard to because we're constantly met with resistance to that but if we can come back to that I think then everything would be that's the formation of something new yeah and we don't need to fight the old it's just literally about creating something new that makes the old thing obsolete
0: while you we were talking, I uh, remember the book, which is called The Future Shock by Alvin Toffler, And that's where he's talking about, it was written, I think, in the beginning of 20th century, if I'm not mistaken. And I first read it when I was uh, in um, a student in university like many years ago. And after that, and it was uh, totally like, I know, science fiction for me. It's like, it will never happen. So everything around was, um, uh, seems to be so sturdy. And after that, I reread this book in uh, the beginning of, uh, I think, 2006. And that's when I looked out of my window and I thought to myself, oh, actually the shock of the future is already here. And that's what exactly he is saying, that there is no need to fight with the old one because people who were pretty much squeezed out because we, they weren't out of the system, because they were not able to find their place to uh, realize themselves, to self-realize themselves, to be fulfilled. They were, first of all, they were squeezed out of the system. And these are the people who started to create something new. And eventually they started to dissolve the uh, boundaries of the old system. And that's how mm. we started to mold the new one. That's very interesting what you said. I love and, that. Um, I would like to ask you about your opinion about the boundaries. Because a lot of times people come to me and people who, like you said, who are sensitive, they're in touch with their feelings, they all about love and compassion and empathy. And there is a common theme, I would say. Uh, usually these people are lacking healthy boundaries. It's like they... They almost without, live without skin, so they're mm. very sensitive, and uh, a lot of times they're the ones who are becoming, I don't want to say the victims necessarily, I don't like this word in particular, um, but you understand what I'm saying, so what's your opinion about setting healthy boundaries, is it something crucial, is it important to do, or...
1: And, yeah. I would agree with you this is something I've seen again and again and i myself again I've struggled struggled with but I'd say maintaining asserting and maintaining a healthy boundary is the cornerstone to mental health and it's one of the hardest things to do because it requires tuning in to what we feel tuning in to what we feel we need and expressing that to another person and um a lot of the time that can be really uncomfortable first of all when i started to learn about this i was like oh i have needs what what are they like i've never never <laughs> is that something we have um <laughs> and also just a total disconnection from how i really felt about something because i was in that constant reactivity projection state where mm-hmm. i couldn't see past my frustration or my anger like i was feeling it but i didn't know how to express it and so there was no way of tuning in to get behind it but um this is again part of being able to just sit with our whatever whatever we feel and give it room give it space in our body to experience it It, it's just energy emotions are energy in motion they Mm -hmm. usually find a way to dissolve to transmute to move out of us disappear whatever and underneath that yeah it's like what do I really need right now um And expressing it, yes, because you talked about the sensitive ones, maybe an empath or what we would call an empath. I don't even like these labels. It's just feeling (laughs) a lot without boundary, actually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) An old mentor of mine used a really great analogy in relationships. And I'm going to apply it to this, even though this wasn't necessarily the intention. But if you think about like a riverbank, is that without a clear, strong boundary, all the water just flows up the bank and there is there isn't any flow. It becomes stagnant, it spreads and leaks into everything. Whereas with the strong boundary, the water can flow within it. And I think that's our, our experience of life. If we assert these boundaries where they, they create... Um, walls and freedom within it it's like the perfect duality the stronger your your boundaries that you assert the more freedom and flow you can experience within it but it can be one of the hardest things to do but um but yeah I think it's it's really something to consider with ourselves of just where are we not asserting boundaries it's one of the greatest self-care things that we can do acknowledge where our boundaries are and express them and you'll find that everything transforms in your life really
0: Thank you very much. And uh, again, the same question, what would be the first steps for a person to set up these healthy boundaries? because I, I imagine people hear this pretty frequently you have to have boundaries. you have to have boundaries but yeah
1: Yes, yeah, true. I mean it's a great question. <laughs> um, the, fir- the first thing that came to mind is probably just to acknowledge where your boundary where a boundary has been crossed. And usually the only way that we can do that is to acknowledge there's something about us in again in a feeling in ourselves, We're feeling a sense of betrayal or um, taken advantage of or walks all over or this. We're telling ourselves the story. This person doesn't understand me. If only they were this. And we go into that sort of story Uh, is clock that. That's usually a sign again of a boundary has been crossed. And then tune in okay how is that actually making me feel okay i feel really disappointed maybe i feel um yeah i feel a sense of betrayal i feel sad about that i feel frustrated i feel and to acknowledge the feeling and if you can't necessarily label the feeling is just to close your eyes and go how what's going on in my body like what mm-hmm. sensation Am I feeling like a tightness somewhere in my chest? Is my throat knotting up? Do I feel a tingling somewhere? Coming back to self and just be with that first of all. And then it's kind of, okay, what would I like? What would I have liked to have experienced? What is it that I would like to receive from this person? Maybe it's some understanding. Maybe it's... um, a little bit of compassion, or maybe it's to have been seen or heard or acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And then, and these are a lot of steps, like it seems it's not, they're not easy to get to those steps, but let's just say this is the sequence. And then the next step, which is the last bit is to actually voice that. Mm -hmm. When this happens, yeah, and it's not pointing, blaming and shaming for another person, because again, we don't know what's going on in their reality, really. We can make stories. Speaking from self, when this happens, I feel this. And what I'd really love is for you to have seen me in that, you know, it, and, and by relaying it in that way, instead of going when you, do, you always do this and it really pisses me off and I really want it that you do this, like people are not going to receive that very well. This is what you <laughs> should be doing, you know, but if you come back to the self from a place of more loving compassion for yourself and the other person, like this is how this makes me feel. And I would really love this and ask, make a request. But I'm not underestimating how hard that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think what you just said is very important and actually very profound that um, the way we communicate our request is huge. Because a lot of times, and again, because we were not uh, taught uh, how to do this properly, i'm calling this love request so if you would want to to get something or to set boundaries no need to be angry or frustrated about this or blaming there is another way we can disagree because we're all different but being loving to each other to each other so thank you very much for that
1: well i'm going to say one more thing on that then just while you're thinking about that just of um yeah, the way that we communicate it is huge. And also recognizing a lot of the time we think that relationships should be easy again we we haven't been taught we're all acting from our own wounding and a lot of the time we are attracting into our lives the people for maximum soul growth so usually the people closest to us are going to trigger us the most and you're going to trigger them too and it's just understanding that instead of this also a lot of time in our modern culture I think we want to quit these relationships I mean with our children and things you can't do can't do that but (laughs) um but in partnership it's like it's too hard I, I get out and and there's always a time to get out of a relationship too but a lot of the time it's actually just opportunity again to learn how to communicate and and in, in that you're healing each other's wounds in the process it's maximum soul growth that's why the people closest to us trigger us the most that's all i wanted to say
0: yeah. I, I believe i believe it's true too. and uh, we're getting closer to the end of our interview and i would like to ask you here my uh oh, our actually that's a show which I have together with my husband. So our show is called Answer Real Paradigm Shifters and it's for and about entrepreneurs who bring cutting edge technologies and ideas to life. And uh, I would like to to ask you, how do you think, how do you um, test the old paradigm and how do you shift and mold it into a new one? So could you please tell a couple of words about that?
1: I, I suppose um, the first thing that came to me then is just in this time that we're in now is a perfect opportunity to to make a shift, like for entrepreneurs in particular who think differently, to innovate new ways. We're going to we're being presented with with challenges that we actually have never really faced in our lifetime, and um, it's a fantastic opportunity, I think, to think about what are some of the problems that we as humans are going to be experiencing in these very near future or in the next five, 10 years? And how can we pivot and shift and innovate? You know, people now more than ever, it's been proven that we have to find new ways to create income that are not dependent on brick and mortar businesses, Mm -hmm. to find new ways to make money that are not dependent on the system and your own independent economy. Um, You know, people are are challenged with mental health right now. If -hmm. you can help people in mental health, then you're gonna do well. If you can help other people find a sense of personal inner freedom, uh, when external freedoms have been removed, great. If you can find new new ways with technology to innovate, because we we're, we're transitioning so much more to tech. But if you can do it in a way again that's rooted in wonderful principles like love, connection, <laughs> kindness, compassion, and not com- not power over, that would be great. <laughs> Um, But I think anything that's coming back to community, finding finding new ways that, you know, as community, we can do things like create our own food sources, Mm -hmm. um, water supplies to innovate farming, to come away from this chemical stuff, regenerate soil and land. I mean, there's there's so many ways, but just thinking about new problems that we're facing right now. How how can we create a shift so that in five ten years we flourish? And if something like this were to happen again, we wouldn't suffer in the same way. That's probably yeah.
0: Thank you very I hope much. Hope that sir. answered your question. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you did. You did answer okay. my question. Thank you very much for your knowledge and your wisdom and your time and your energy. You shared with us today and with me in particular. Um, I liked it a lot. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you very much,
1: Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Okay.